and welcome to Franchise Paradiso. This is a podcast for lovers of film franchises. And while we all wish more original content was being made, we cannot control the major Hollywood studios any more than we can control the weather. So we will revel in what we are force-fed and dissect our beloved cinematic franchises. My name is Heath Lynch, and I'm here with the amazing Foster Harlfinger. Hey. That was so excited. Uh, I'm really <laughs> <And the> tired. <laughs> spectacular Rowan Wood. Heidely ho, neighborino. And uh, we're here today to do a wrap-up. This is going to be our first wrap-up episode. We're going to cover a trimester's worth of film and uh, talk about things. So this is our 2023 summer blockbuster season wrap-up. We're going to take time to... Uh, that's to be clear as well, that's anything that was released from May 1st to August 31st. Uh, we're going to take some time to go over our, our thoughts, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, things we're interested in following, things that were kind of already over uh, as it pertained to franchises, re franchise releases that came out um, in the last trimester. Uh, so that's going to be what this episode's kind of about. We're also going to do some quick fire fun questions and See if we can get some hot takes out of everyone. But before we jump into that, let's do some quick plugs in case uh, you're interested in following any of us based off of what you hear today. Foster, where can people find you? I'm going to do this with more enthusiasm since my hello was not good <laughs> enough for you. Uh, come find me on Letterboxd, everybody, at FOSTH101. And Rowan, what about you? Uh, I'm on Letterboxd and Instagram at Roanabout on Twitter at Bits of Joel and uh, online at TheLenientCritic.com. Thank you, sir. And uh, you can find me on Letterboxd as well at the one Heath Bar or search Heath Lynch. Either one should be able to find me. And uh, we have uh, a podcast thing now. You can actually follow the podcast. That's kind of fun. So we did finally create that. You can follow Franchise Paradiso on Instagram on instagram wow uh at franchise paradiso or if you have any questions comments uh you even want to get a hold of us to talk uh you can reach out to us via email at franchise paradiso at gmail.com all right so as i said we're here to talk about the 2023 summer blockbuster season franchise releases we're going to spend uh, a few minutes on each of these flicks uh no more than five to ten uh but probably closer to three to five minutes um we're going to go over each movie in release order and kind of just decide what we think about it and then come to a conclusion on whether the podcast recommends it, we don't recommend it, or we're kind of indifferent. Throw our hands up, <laughs> catch it if you want. No real uh, thoughts otherwise. And we'll start with the big MCU release to kick off the summer season. That was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that came out May 5th of this year. Foster, Rowan, what did we think about Guardians? Oh, I really loved this. Like, yeah. really, really loved this. Honestly, nice. give me a couple years. Maybe my favorite MCU movie. I think I've got it in the top five, at least right now. I loved it. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't I would say I'm not quite that high on it, but I still <laughs> love, love, loved it when I first saw it. The Guardians are some of my, are some, it's probably my favorite team in the MCU, uh, because unlike the Avengers, they really feel like a family. Uh, and um, I just love the first two Guardians. I think it's just been hit after hit with them. Like their even their small roles in Infinity War uh, and Endgame were still pretty fantastic. 
Um, not to say that those movies weren't. I love those movies, but the Guardians especially um, stuck out to me. And uh, Volume Three was just the perfect way uh, to end it, honestly. And and you know, as far as I'm concerned, the only way. Uh, it it may not have been quite as high in my estimation as um as Volume Two because I think Volume Two is just a masterwork. Um, but I do think that it. It, it gave each character the ending that they deserve. And like, you know, of course it's not without its problems. It's just with guard with volume three, the problems are minuscule compared to more recent MCU releases. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm going to be the contrarian only because I'm going to sound like I'm hating it by comparison, but in reality, I, I like this movie. I just, I'm not nearly as enamored with it as you guys. I wouldn't say I love this movie. I have a few hangups. Uh, I think it's way too long. Uh, being one of the biggest ones. I think it has some tonal issues when it uh, shifts back and forth between um, Rocket's story and the goofiness that they're doing at a you know floating organ space station and a couple other things. And my biggest thing is, and I don't even blame James Gunn for this, I, I, I think it has an issue with its stakes uh, when it sets itself up to be something kind of climactic and final for these characters. And you almost assume that someone's going to bite the bullet and it almost even feels like James wants to do that and like put that gut punch in there, but it's as if the house of mouse just wouldn't allow him. And it's like, Nope, this person's almost going to die. Well, now nah, they're going to live. And this person got shot in the back and it exploded and there's fire on them. Now nope, they're fine too. And this person's caught in space and they've been out there for way too long and they should be rightfully dead, but now nah, they're going to get saved and everything's okay. Uh, so stuff like that just kind of felt cheap. Uh, to me, in terms of trying to get an emotional reaction out of the audience without uh, committing to uh, its own conviction. Uh, but all that to say, I still really liked this. I thought it was very humorous. The action was fun. It, we got some great resolution to some of the characters and their arcs and their development over the course of this trilogy and the greater MCU as a whole. And it, and it definitely was a good time. Um, so with all that said, I'm assuming we're all on board to recommend this one then. If I am the lowest mm -hmm. of the three and I even still liked it, uh we're Definitely. recommending this one correct 100 totally yep all right stamp of approval we recommend moving on <laughs> to the next franchise film of the summer fast x released may 19th of the fast and the furious franchise what did we think of fast x oh boy oh boy this movie <laughs> i saw this thursday afternoon pre-release um, in an entirely empty theater. So I got to heckle at the top of my lungs and it was I'm perhaps so the most fun I've ever had seeing a movie alone. Um, I am entirely indifferent to this movie. I binged the entire franchise in the, in the two weeks leading up to it. Uh, and it is not, um, it is absolutely not, uh, my favorite of the franchise, uh, but it's not the worst of the franchise either. So it's just kind of in the middle for me. And, I don't know. I, I I was gonna use a different metaphor for how this movie for how I see this movie, but I'm gonna use a more apt uh, metaphor in that I I think this franchise is just doing donuts around itself at this point, <laughs> um, and it's it's not it, it it's trying it it's doing new things technically on a very basic level, but I feel like like I'm not getting anything new out of these new entries, and this one is just I mean each movie is just another slap in the face of of convention of 
um, of uh, physics of pretty much everything. And this one felt more like a punch than a slap uh, just because, oh, you're going to kill off one character and then reveal that another character that's been dead for what four movies is now back. And, and uh, you know, the character that they killed is probably going to come back in a couple movies anyway. So what is even the point of anything anymore? That's how I felt watching this movie. I'm pretty sure this franchise has characters coming back to life more than like the MCU at this point. And I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. If we did like the, the count on that, I'm pretty sure we'd find that to be true. Not counting yeah. the snap because of that course. was a story device intentionally. Yeah. But Foster, what are your thoughts on Fast X? Uh, my thoughts are that I did not see it. <laughs> oh, you didn't catch this one. Okay. I did not catch this one because I was going through the fast movies and only made it to Fast Five by the time this one came out. And I thought, you know what? I'm not too hyped for Fast X anyways. <laughs> it can wait. So I'll get to it eventually. But um, yeah, I don't imagine that I'll love it <laughs> just based <laughs> on what I've heard. Um, yeah, that's all, all right. I got. So I have a slightly different perspective, which is... Uh, Gosh, I, I know, Rowan, I don't think you were alive when the first one came out. Foster, if you were, it was just barely. Um, but I remember seeing the original one uh, in theaters uh, as a, you know, a point break spinoff and being enamored by these street racers who brazenly steal DVD players. And uh, I, I've been on record many times of I really liked the franchise when it was street racers and criminals trying to get away with petty crimes or doing heists. Um, but as soon as they turned in like government agents with superpowers and superhero strength and can come back from the dead, I've been quite over this series and that's no different here. I actually had a little bit of fun with this one, a little bit more than I have in recent issue or recent movies because, uh, the, of the Jason Momoa of it all. Is he just playing a fast and the furious version of the Joker? Yes. But did I still have fun when he's talking to taped up corpses? Yep, I did. Um, so uh, there was a little bit of fun there, especially because they tried to tie it into Fast Five, which I feel is not only the best entry of the franchise, it's the last good entry of the franchise. So uh, I had some fun in the beginning, but then it started to really devolve into some of its worst traits and habits. And by the end of this movie, it's one thing to do a part one. It's another thing to do a part one in which you literally end in the middle of an action sequence and you don't even give us the resolution to that action sequence. <laughs> like if you thought the dragon at the end of desolation of smog coming out to burn Lake town and then the movie just cutting the black was frustrating. This is worse. And I, I, I hated that ending. I think, I think it's a slap in the face. So uh, Foster's going to abstain, but Rowan, where are we? Are we not recommending this? I would say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would lean more towards indifference, but at okay. the same time, like I like if you haven't seen any other Fast and Furious movies, especially this is not worth it yeah. at all. Like this is not going to pull in new audiences at all. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, so indifferent if you're already a fan of the franchise, especially if you like the later superhero entries. But if you like the original films or you're not a fan of this franchise, this is not a recommend. It's not going to pull you in and it's. It's not going to do anything that's going to remind you of the old stuff and make you happy. Moving on to the next film, that's The Little Mermaid. This was released May 26th in the United States, and uh, The Little Mermaid is technically a franchise. It's not like we're cheating and just saying, oh, this is the Disney remake, live-action remake franchise. Nope, there are actually, at this point now, at least I know of three Disney Little Mermaid movies. There's the original, this live-action remake, and I know they did a Little Mermaid 2 they did a little mermaid Ariel's too, daughter. and they did a they did a third one that I think was okay. like Ariel's Adventure or something like that. Okay, so yeah, yeah, this is its own little franchise now. 
Uh, what did we think of the live action Disney's Little Mermaid? Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I, I just watched this like the other day and I, I, I don't feel like I was missing out when I chose not to see it in theaters. It, it, it not only adds like 50 whole minutes to the story um, that were <laughs> An entirely... excruciating extra amount of runtime. Exactly. But it doesn't justify that addition in any meaningful way. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not terrible. Like it, it's not all bad. There are a couple songs that I thought were like so, new songs that I thought were fine. And the guy playing Prince Eric, I thought was really good. And Halle Bailey was fantastic as Ariel, but that She's is terrific. Really about it. She I feel is such like... a voice. Yeah, but aside from that, I feel like there's not really a ton of redeeming qualities about this, especially because it falls into the um, the Disney live-action remake trap of having expressionless, photorealistic animals as sidekicks that we're supposed to empathize with and care about. That can't um, emote because they're photorealistic animals. Yeah, exactly. Foster, yep. did you catch this one? No, don't, don't <laughs> be mad. <laughs> I know this is two in a row. Here's what I'm going to say. I am at a wonderful point in my life where I'm just now giving myself the freedom to skip movies that I know I'm not going to love. <laughs> I, I might get to this one eventually, but I honestly sure. haven't gotten to a few of the Disney live action remakes just because I know that they're going to make me make me frown yep. <laughs> as yeah. I'm watching them. Uh, I will say I've seen out of the 12 movies we're talking about just today, I have seen nine of them. So I've seen the majority, right. but uh, yeah, I have nothing to say. I won't razz you too much then. Uh, I did not have the luxury of skipping this one because I'm a diehard Disney person to my own detriment at this point. But two, uh, my wife and daughters love the original and they would never, ever let me skip this. Um, I I am so mad to this movie. Rowan, I think that's just the right reaction. It's just so yeah. mad. I, yeah. Half this movie, I couldn't even see. It's so poorly lit. That final fight with Ursula is like just a laughable joke. You can't see anything. I'm going to be honest. I, I entirely tuned out during that part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do like the singing. I, I actually like the new original song that's uh, from Ariel's point of view when she's mm -hmm. internal monologuing because she mm -hmm. can't speak. I thought that was good. Eric's song was kind of fine. It's eh. But, uh, but Heath, but what about the scuttlebutt? Have you heard the scuttlebutt? If I have to hear, God forbid, the Oscars gets a weird kick in them and they nominate this for best original song, I will lo lose all faith. Like, there's already dwindling faith in that institution. But, oh my God, please don't. Um, I hate, I, I viscerally hated that song. Yeah. Um, so, uh the the remake's fine if you really love the original have at it i i think it's way too damn long and it's way too dark and poorly lit and it doesn't do enough to distinguish itself from the original and i would much rather watch the original animated every time yeah but with that said if you love the original i i would still say i'm indifferent to this one rowan is that about where you are too uh, yeah extremely low side of indifferent on this low one. <laughs> side of indifferent almost yeah. to not recommend yeah i yeah. agree yeah. Moving on, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, released June 2nd in the United States. This is part of the Spider-Man franchise. There's <laughs> tons of these now. What did we think of Across the Spider-Verse? Uh, I'll start since I had to sit out the last Because <laughs> you've been sitting I, out not participating. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I love this movie a lot. I think the first one is still a better movie technically, but mm -hmm. I really, really loved this movie. Uh, I think I know some of the things you're going to say about it, Heath, regarding mm -hmm. the plot and some things it doesn't quite explain perfectly. And my preemptive rebuttal to that is, uh, for me personally, I'm just I just don't care 
uh, the way the movie makes me feel trumps the any little inconsistencies in the stories that I can identify. I totally and that's how that. I am. That's how I am with every movie. Um, and I think I'm a happier person because of it, to be honest with you. I just enjoy <laughs> things. It's like, I, I love that I can watch this movie and just not care about that sort of stuff. Because I've like I've read your reviews of it, too. And I get what you're saying and what you're going to say in a second, probably. But I think the <laughs> animation is so stunning. Daniel Pemberton's score is my favorite of the year. I still listen to it every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's so meaningful to me, this movie. I think it's so beautiful. And when I watch like any image from that movie, I'm just picturing the thousands of people that had to come together to make every single frame of that movie possible. And I think it's really special, really unique. And I absolutely loved it. So tear it apart, Heath. Or no, Rowan, no, no, no. We'll, sa- we'll save me. <laughs> Go ahead, okay. uh, Rowan. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm. It's no surprise that I'm with Foster on this one. Uh, I... Yeah. I saw it twice and was blown away both times. It's it's the most I think the most visually creative movie I've ever seen. Um, just in 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 how it utilizes its seemingly infinite various styles of um of animation, and um it's it's very I don't know it's it's emotionally mature and like and thematically resonant in ways that not a lot of movies that appeal to all ages are. Usually they either skew one way or the other in terms of like um pan you know pandering to a younger or older audience and this movie i feel like is pretty much across the board like specific like very generally for all ages um and and sort of embraces that instead of trying to like circumvent it um and uh yeah i i i don't know i was i just was blown away uh by spider-verse and i am looking forward to the third one, whenever that may, whenever, whenever that may be, whenever the writer strike ends and all these animators have the hundreds of thousands of hours they need to do it. Yeah. Um, so this is again, where I'm going to sound like I hate it just cause I'm the contrarian. Uh, but I'm going to preface, I don't hate this movie. I just, I don't like this movie. I think it's okay. I think it's fine. Um, I love the animation. I think this movie is gorgeous. I think the voice acting is powerful and charismatic and engaging. I think Foster, you are absolutely correct. There is a ton of emotionality to this story, to its characters, and all that really works. But I find the actual narrative structure of the plot incredibly flawed. Now, I will say before I cite like an example here that I'm hoping it's intentional. And I know, Foster, we've talked about this, where I think and I'm hoping that this is actually smart script writing and they're intentionally leading it to a place in which these are purposefully seeded sequences and moments that will lead to a bigger reveal slash resolution in Beyond the Spider-Verse, the third movie. I'm hoping that that's what they're doing. And if they are doing that, then almost all of my problems will be wiped away. And in hindsight, this will get a much better review. I will reevaluate it. But I have seen the movie multiple times now, as it is without the third movie, because again, we don't have it yet. And I I just I have problems with it. I have problems with Miguel, Spider-Man 2099, uh, and his assumption. I have problems with the whole, uh, for every Spider-Man, there is an uncle and there is a captain thing, which there's very clearly not. We've seen that time and time again. Uh, the idea that you can't save someone, which we've seen that disproven time and time again. I The idea that there's a canon event and that he, Miles somehow 
is the problem of all things. And he ruined a canon event, but that canon event was caused by Spot, who wouldn't even be there if it wasn't by Mo- because of Miles in the first place is a direct contradiction. And there's a lot of issues like this throughout the plot that literally cannot be explained other than either one, they're incredible plot holes and and breakdowns in logic that completely make the narrative uh, just incredibly frustrating to me, or two, they're doing it on purpose because they're trying to see that Miles has a lot of problems and uh, not Miles, uh, Miguel has a lot of problems that need to be resolved in the third movie. Um, especially when it comes to character dynamics of some of these characters, literally we have an infinite sp- uh, multiverse of spiders and literally every single one is on Miguel's side. And it's not until this very moment that, that some people at the very end of this movie, and even some, when I say some, I'm not even talking a dozen, like barely more than a handful are like, yeah, yeah, maybe Miles is a good guy. And Miguel's being a little harsh. Like I just don't in an infinite multiverse. No, it's just, and I think people got swept up in the amazing animation, the awesome fights and the Spider-Man points at Spider-Man memes and all the references. And they just love this movie. And I totally get that. But there are problems with it too. But with that said, I still had fun with this movie. I still think it's a decent movie. It's okay. I just I'm not over the moon of over the moon about it as everyone else is. But with that said, I would still absolutely recommend this movie. I think the first one is better, but this is still a fun time. And especially if the third one resolves a lot of the plot issues that I have, I and it sounds like you guys are definitely on board and loving it. So we give this the stamp of approval as well, don't we? Yes. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Awesome. So second stamp of approval of the season, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And that brings us to Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which was released June 9th as part of the Transformers franchise. Do we have any thoughts on this one? My eyes just glazed over. Yeah, this is the third one (laughs) I haven't seen. So I'll leave this to you, too. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, I... So my best friend back home, we saw a bunch of movies together this summer, including many on this list and uh, in theaters specifically. And only one of them that we saw in theaters together uh, was a good movie. Uh, Transformers (laughs) was one of the movies we saw and it was not uh, the good one. Um, Yeah, uh, I watched all the just like I did with Fast and Furious. I watched all the Transformers movies leading up to this one, and I was still disappointed despite there being so much dog shit in that franchise. There is um, so much. And uh, Rise of the Beasts is just so unnecessary. It adds nothing to the mythos. It, it It's, in fact, ignoring almost ever almost all of the other movies pretty yeah. some pretty directly in like favor the, of setting up its own continuity there was a way in which bumblebee was a prequel to the other movies but right. after this movie if this is a sequel to bumblebee which it, it states that it is right. then this is no longer the same timeline as those other movies this has changed mm-hmm. things categorically that that now there are multiple timelines <laughs> yeah um and I, I I didn't like, especially looking back on it. I didn't really enjoy much about this movie. I mean, it's like it it looks decent, and that's about all I could say. Pete Davidson voices a transformer for no conceivable reason. Um, uh, I don't know. Michelle Yeoh is in it for no conceivable reason. Uh, God, I don't know. I I hate that I'm a completionist because this is one franchise that I could have done without watching most of them. I'm going to mirror almost everything you said, and I'll just cut to the chase and say, I just outright didn't like this movie. The Mm. final fight. That's just like a gray Brown mesh of CGI and sky beams. is just, yeah, 
I'm so over it. It's the most ugly thing in the world. And yeah, uh, this may be better than like Transformers four or five, but that's, <laughs> that's a low bar not to trip over. And uh, I, this is nowhere. I wouldn't even say this is even in the realm of the first Transformers, let alone Bumblebee, which is the best one they've made. So uh, I didn't like this uh, either. Um, Rowan, are we giving this the, we do not recommend our first official don't recommend. of the Absolutely. Night? Yep. Yes. Moving on, this is going to be a little bit more contentious. The Flash released June 16th as part of the DC Extended Universe. Thoughts on The Flash? I thought this was fine. I mean, it's pretty fun. It's just like when you go into the movie after having heard James Gunn and everybody else's rave reviews about how this is the best superhero movie of all time. It's obviously not that. So it was kind of disappointing in that sense, but it's still pretty fun. Um, like I, I'd give it like a soft recommend. Rowan, uh, what's your hot take? I, Which is actually not that hot. I actually think you have the more common opinion. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I have since gone back and thought about this movie and watched some clips and uh, jokingly tried to convince my roommate to watch it on Max. Uh, I hate this movie. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> terrible. I think it's awful. However, I am coming at it from uh, the point of view of someone who has seen the Flash TV show, which did everything this movie does a thousand times better, um, and some and and like I've seen Flashpoint Paradox, the movie, which also did this better, um, and I am uh, not to say that I'm not the biggest DC fan. Like I am in the minority is in, in that I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think that's amazing, and I think the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman is pretty great too. But this, I had so I had so little expectation for this movie, and somehow it it just went right below there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was boring. I thought the acting was terrible. I thought the effects were decent at times, and and just the worst effects I've ever seen uh, at others. <laughs> um, yep. I the script I thought was just terrible and f- full of cliches that are that maybe would have done great when this movie started development but now it's just it just feels so overwrought and um trying to pander to an audience from 10 years ago um that might have enjoyed this a lot more when ezra miller was first um announced as uh the flash and i'm not even going to get into like the like like the tasteless cgi resurrections of actors oh, among them a certain yeah. actor who would have certainly objected uh to this to cameo likeness being used yes yeah. exactly if he had been alive um and it ju- it's just the fact that they used it for like one second nostalgia for reasons that easily could have been avoided uh yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad that people like it i'm glad or Stephen even King having thought Nicolas it was Cage one of the fight a smite a fight a spider for like the you know 0.5 percent of the exactly. audience would actually understand that reference yeah yeah um i and this is why I said this might be the most contentious because Rowan hates it. Foster's indifferent. And I, I like it. Now, I like it with the caveat of I totally understand why people don't like this movie. I understand uh, it, many of its problems. I understand the Ezra Miller of it all. I understand the insensitivity to, uh, unfortunately, tragically passed away figures who were misused in this. Uh, I understand the humor doesn't work for everyone. I understand a lot of it. Uh, but for me... Foster, this is, I'm going to reference what you said earlier about the emotionality. This is one of those moments where this works. Uh, It really just comes down to that grocery store scene at the end. I'm sorry. To me, it does. And 
I'm a massive DC Comics fan. Flashpoint is one of my favorite stories. Uh, read it a, a ton of times since it originally came out. And when we get to that scene at the grocery store at the end, that really works for me. Um, I, I think it ties home a lot of the themes. Uh, it b- drives the emotionality. Um, there are throughout a few jokes that really worked for me as well. Um, and I'm a sucker. I'm <laughs> Michael Keaton is probably still my favorite Batman. I love seeing Keaton back in the bat suit, even though most of the time he was a rubber CGI guy just flying around fighting. Um, But I, again, I totally understand if you don't like this movie, I get it. So um, what are our thoughts on this one? Are we going to just average out to a, we're indifferent? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. All right. Giving it the stamp of you win this time, Foster Harlfinger. (laughs) (laughs) It was all part of my plan. (laughs) Moving on, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny released on June 30th as part of the Indiana Jones franchise. Thoughts? You don't say. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, I really, really like this movie. Uh, again, same with The Flash. My expectations were in the toilet. Um, and uh, j- just so in in the event that it was good, I, I wouldn't overly, um, I wouldn't hype it up too much. Um, but and. I don't even have that much nostalgia for the Indiana Jones franchise. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark um, re- like maybe once when I was a kid, um, and uh, and I've seen the I've seen the sequels since. But it's not like something that I have too big of an attachment to. But I thought for me at least, this movie did almost everything right. I can recognize that there are so many problems with it, um, but Harrison Ford is clearly having a good time. The action's pretty decent. Um, James Mangold is a pretty good director. This is by no means is his uh his best movie um but i do think it's great and slight spoiler alert uh i love time travel storylines <laughs> I, I i feel like part of it just just boils down to that for me uh and this movie does it in a way that i was absolutely not expecting and i loved 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 uh most of most of the ending but that's not that's, that that is just me yeah, my expectations were also in Rowan's toilet, so I <laughs> thought that this was a lot of fun. I especially loved the ending as well. Um, I think James Mangold's direction was pretty good. Some people have complained that he's not Steven Spielberg, but who is? Uh, literally only one person, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just liked this movie. I thought it was fun. I felt like it was back to the roots of the franchise for me personally, at least what I love about Indiana Jones, that sort of historical, you know, mythological type of feel to it. And I really liked it and would recommend it actually. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm kind of indifferent to this one. There are some things that I really liked. I liked that we got back to, you know, and go, going to ancient crypts, kind of solving puzzles. It felt like old Indian that way. It was, still was a little bit unbelievable to see Harrison Ford at this age doing this much action. I know it's not him. It's a stunt double, but that's still that character that felt a little weird. <laughs> um, uh, I I actually kind of liked the granddaughter, uh, the, the goddaughter character. I forget the character's name. Uh, um, Hel- Hel- Helena? Helena? Yeah, Helena. Yeah. Um, although I don't think her character was done much service in terms of the screenplay. I liked the, I liked her spunk in that portrayal. Um, the biggest thing for me that was my gripe is Indy's not happy in this movie, which isn't inherently a bad thing. I think that actually makes sense for a storyline, but like Indiana Jones as a concept is supposed to kind of be a little bit more brash, uh, charismatic. And this one, he's just so down because life is beating the crap out of him. No one cares about the past anymore. They care about the future and the space race. His son is gone. Like again, from a narrative perspective, I understand what brings him here, but I feel like they could have written the script a little bit different. 
to not bring us to this point because having a dour and I hate myself and I want to die Indiana Jones for almost two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes uh, just uh, didn't sit right with me. It just wasn't as entertaining and fun as it could have been. But uh, I wouldn't by no means say I would hate this. Uh, I still had fun with it. My hot take is that I actually, as much as I think this is a better movie than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think I'd rather watch Crystal Skull more than this because of that very reason, where at least that movie, for all its flaws, and it has plenty of them, at least has fun. It, like it's, It likes to laugh at itself and, and have some jokes, um, whereas this one just seems super serious and it feels uh, a little off-putting to me. But that's just me. Uh, where are we on this one? Indifferent? Do we recommend it? I would recommend, but as would I. All yeah. right. We recommend it. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Moving on to Insidious the Red Door, released July 7th as part of the Insidious franchise. I'll, I'll abstain from this one. This is the one I have not seen. I haven't seen this one either, so it's all oh Foster my gosh, tonight. Foster it's all me, baby. My time has come. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fine. I actually kind of liked this movie, but I can't necessarily recommend it to everybody, especially if you've never seen an Insidious movie. This is not the place to jump in. This is for people who have like seen at least the first two movies and like the characters enough to stick with them through this. It's honestly barely a horror movie. Patrick Wilson is uh, this is his directorial debut and he really cares more about the father son stuff than the horror stuff. For me, I liked that. I thought that was nice uh, and kind of weirdly sweet for a horror movie. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know if I can really recommend it to most people. So if you are a fan of the franchise, yes. If you've never seen the franchise, no. So are we giving it an average of indifferent then? Is that Mm -hmm. our stance? Do I have to? Are you giving it the conditional yes, no? I'm giving it a conditional. All right. Yep. Moving on. We got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, July 12th. That was released as part of the Mission Impossible series. What go. are our thoughts? Um, This was not my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Uh, I do think it's far and away in, in the camp of being better than the first uh than than the first two uh, i think the first one's fine i think the second one's not great um but every single one after two i think is amazing uh and um i i love i i think tom cruise is a beast uh one day he's gonna get killed doing one of those stunts um my my biggest issue with this movie is that it it doesn't at least for me do anything new in like the oh ai's ai's the bad guy and ai is gonna take over like i can see what they're going for but it just seems very overdone at this point and there's a way to do it in a new way and i think this one tries uh but it just didn't do anything new for me i, I do have a poster on it uh for it right behind me for anyone who could see <laughs> the video or photos or anything <laughs> uh it's i gave it to my roommate it's just my wall is the one with all the space um but uh yeah uh so in you the can end, have this I gift it. i'm gonna have it on my wall <laughs> <laughs> I do think it is too long also, um, but not bad. Not bad at all. I did have a good time. Uh, I like I like this a lot. Uh, I think Fallout is still the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that'll ever be beat, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I really love this. No complaints. I had a ton of fun. Well, brief and to the point. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I like this a lot. I, I really think it's good. Um, but I do agree. I think Fallout's better. I think Rogue Nation is better. I I think the Christopher McQuarrie, Tom Cruise, uh, actor-director combo is one I really enjoy, even going to Jack Reacher. Um, but uh, I, I think this is still a really great one, but it's not as high 
as I would have liked it to be, or I guess more accurately saying as I anticipated it being, but I do love the stunts. I love a lot of the action work, the, the way it's captured on film, the editing in this is really well done. Um, uh, and I like where the story is go- going, Rowan, I do agree. It's kind of uh, old hat in the, oh, AI is, you know, going rogue thing. Um, so in that regard, that's a little frustrating. I also really don't like how they disposed of a character, uh, seemingly just to replace them with the next female character. Um, I, it just didn't ring right to me. Um, even though I really like the new character, I just don't know if we needed to lose the old character because of that. It's Um, a metaphor for Tom Cruise's marriages. (laughs) (laughs) Woof. (laughs) <laughs> um but uh overall i definitely still enjoyed it uh what do we think do we give uh this an approval i'd recommend this yeah all right yep. we recommend moving on teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> mutant mayhem released august 2nd as part of the team and t teenage mutant ninja turtles franchise you guys i'm going to take it first uh i grew up on the the turtles i watched the cartoon in the 80s i remember absolutely watching and re-watching and re-watching my vhs copy of the original 1990 film i even like secret of the use turtles 2 from 91 because we get super super shredder who is kevin nash from uh wwf wrestling and we get oh i forget the actor's name but he was in surf ninjas and stuff and it's just like the most hokey thing that made my millennial heart so happy. But traditionally the franchise since then has been really crap until this, I thought this movie was great. I thought the animation was really creative and it kind of had this look of like colored pencil to it that almost felt like it was a kid drawing it at times. Like this is my, a a childhood imagination story of Ninja Turtles literally. But at the same time, it had a like refinement and elegance to it. I thought the action was good. I thought the voice acting acting was spectacular and I thought that the story really worked and the themes worked. I would even go so far as to say as someone who's literally seen every single Turtles movie ever made, that this is probably the best one they've ever made. And I don't even know if it's probably, it's probably definitely. <laughs> now, with that said, I probably still personally prefer the 1991 because I'm nostalgic and I'm a sucker to that. But other than that, this is the best they've ever done. And I can't wait to see where they go from here. Uh, thoughts, Rowan, Foster. Um. This was my first Ninja Turtles movie, uh, completely contrary uh, to Heath. Um, But I I feel like this was a great one to start with if you want to start off with the best one. Um, Mm -hmm. Because this was is just so downhill from here, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The voice acting is so fantastic, like like on another level in terms of like um, animated voice cast, just because it's so clear that all four of the actors playing the turtles are in the same room and they are bouncing off of each other and they are like having fun and they get along legitimately as opposed to just acting. Um, And, uh, and yeah, that was, I think the best part of the movie for me is their chemistry, which really works and is what the movie could live and die on. uh, And it definitely lives on it. This is one of the first Gen Z movies that actually felt like a Gen Z movie, like their dialogue, Mm -hmm. their jokes, the humor, it worked really well. Foster. You're muted, Sir Foster. Rowan, I am so sorry. This? I was trying to be considerate while I was drinking my water a moment ago. 
and it ruined the whole podcast. I'm, podcast I'm leaving ruined. that in. That was funny. <laughs> oh, my fault. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was I was being so sincere too. <laughs> uh, okay. The past few years with all the franchise movies that have come out, I feel like there are a few that rise to the top and those are the ones that are sincere and feel like they are made by a person rather than a committee. And I think that's the case for Guardians 3. That's why I loved that so much more than some of the other recent Marvel stuff. And that's the case for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Also my first Turtles movie. I loved this movie so, so much. I just felt, you know, the hands that made the movie as I was watching the movie, not just from the animation, but from the voice actors, like you're saying, the score, all of it just really moved me. I know that I know that's maybe not the reaction you're supposed to have from a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, but it's the one I had. You can have whatever reaction you want, Foster. Oh, thank you. We'll we'll still accept you. (laughs) This is my free therapy. Wow. So all uh, we're all on board to fully recommend this one, aren't we? Absolutely. Yep. 100%. This movie's great. Uh, moving on, this is the only other one I haven't seen. The Last Voyage of the Demeter, released August 11th. Uh, not an official franchise movie, but it's another Dracula movie. And uh, Dracula does what Dracula does. So they are and aren't a franchise at all the time. So we're just going to count it. Uh, I didn't see this. So what did you guys think? I know you both saw it. Uh, okay, I likes this movie and i think it's more so that i like the idea of the movie than the movie we got because the <laughs> premise is awesome the premise is just dracula's on a boat and he is taking fools out one by one uh the dracula design looks awesome the movie looks incredible the boat is great the director i don't know how to say his last name it's like andre overdraw something like that he is a really good director actually for horror actors are all good ingredients are all there it's just a little boring (laughs) which is like it's such a bummer you were selling me on it for a little bit there (laughs) well it's worth watching because of all the great stuff that's in it and i think the last 20 minutes is super fun but it's like they just keep withholding the dracula of it all for way too long and there's also so much of the movie that's like teasing you and it's like ooh, what's this spooky thing it's like we know it's dracula like come on uh so (laughs) i don't know what what the deal showed us in the trailers yeah (laughs) we know yeah so it's um... like yeah, go ahead, Rowan. Well, I, I was about to say, I wrote it in my Letterboxd review that it does suffer from the very rare ailment that is adapted from one singular chapter of a classic novel, Itis. There's <laughs> not really a ton of story to str- like to to stretch out here. Like, it, like Foster said, it, it's Dracula on a boat, and it does overstay its welcome a little bit. Um, but I just, I love gothic horror, and so this was right up my alley. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys recommend it then? I'd say a hesitant recommend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like there's awesome stuff in it, but just know that the movie is not perfect. Recommend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And moving on to our last movie of the season, Blue Beetle released August 18th as part of the DCEU, the extended universe, or maybe the DCU, because some articles say this is going to count in the James Gunn DCU Gunnerverse, and some say it doesn't. Gunner-verse. Who knows? We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. What did we think of Blue Beetle? I haven't seen it, so I will be abstaining from this conversation. Okay. And Foster? Uh, I thought it was fine. I was really, really, really tired the day that I saw this, so I've retained <laughs> like 40% of that movie, if that. Um, That's a I thought it was endorsement. Fine. Yeah, I was not blown away by this Blue Beetle. Um, yeah, I don't even have anything to say. I was so tired when I saw it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo. It's It's fine. It's just... When people talk about superhero fatigue, this is the kind of crap that they're talking about because this feels like it is just running through the motions. They got the playbook. They 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 did the most generic plays you could, and they got to their ending. Uh, the evil corporate villain. The, uh, 
the the super powered super suit that is not really fully explained and certainly not utilized in the most creative way it could be utilized. Uh, there's a lot of things I would like to change, but hey, uh, I do love the Blue Beetle character. I think Jaime Reyes is a fun character, and I really love his family, and I like that family dynamic. I like seeing more of the Latino experience. All that I thought really worked. So if they'd make another one uh, in the DCU, hopefully they'd learn the right lessons. Uh, I doubt they would, but this is this is fine. It's the definition of mid if you want to go see it. Um, so I think we're going to give it the we're indifferent on this one, Foster. Sure. Yeah. All right. We are indifferent. All right. So that is the wrap up of all our thoughts on the big franchise releases from the season. We're going to jump into our lightning round. Now that we've gone through all of these uh, entries, let's dive into some more juicy questions. Uh, see if we can get some fun hot takes. I'm going to just quickly rattle off some questions and we're going to give our instinctive responses uh, and not even really going to elaborate. I'm just going to answer them and, and move on. Uh, Foster, go ahead and answer first, then Rowan, then I'll answer as well. So let's start with what was our favorite franchise film from the season? Foster. Just barely across the Spider-Verse is my pick. Rowan? Same. And I'm going to go Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. What was our least favorite film franchise, franchise <laughs> film of the season? Not sure if it's least favorite so much as it is most disappointing, but I'm going to go with The Flash. I'm also I going with The Flash. Foster and I are on the same wavelength for these two questions. I am going Transformers Rise of the Beast. I really could not stand that one. Uh, <laughs> what franchise movie... Uh, from this season got you the most excited for the next entry that you're most anticipating the next film uh because of that ending it's got to be across the spider-verse uh, see i'm following foster every time and it seems like i'm copying him but i'm really not mine is also <laughs> spider-verse <laughs> mm. mine is once again uh dead reckoning part one i nice. i i just i need to know i want to see it i want i want to see the stunts yeah uh what franchise movie this season got you the least excited for the next entry. What are you just not looking forward to seeing at all? Uh, it's a combo of the flash and blue beetle and quick succession that I'm just not looking forward to the last couple of DC movies. I want to power through and get to the James Gunn stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm also going to go with the flash, but in terms of franchises that we know for sure are going to continue in the near future, I'm going to go fast X. I'm going to see it, but I really couldn't care less what happens in the next yeah. movie. <laughs> You'd think for all my hate of fa Fast and Furious, I would say Fast X, but no, it. I actually am with Foster on this one. I, I could not care less about Aquaman 2, The Lost Kingdom, and I say that as someone that I actually kind of enjoyed the first Aquaman, uh, <laughs> but I, I agree. It, we're, we know it's ending, so I it's it all feels meaningless. I, I don't even need to see it, but I'm going to because I hate myself. Uh, what movie from this season do you most want to see turned into a franchise? Now, here's something that our listeners don't know. Before the podcast started, I preemptively wrote down on this piece of paper I'm holding in front of me what I think our collective answer is going to be. Because I have a sneaking suspicion all three of us have the same answer. And I'm I don't I'm think curious. so. You don't think so? Okay. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're, you're, you're fa you look like you're going to pop. I'm you're so like embarrassed. Trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> so I'm curious. All right, we'll save you then. Rowan, what is yours? Past lives, baby. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> past lives. 
what what movie do you want to see turn into a, um, a franchise? I am going right, to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is becoming a franchise, Foster. What is going on? This is becoming a franchise. So I, I I know it's kind of a cheat, but mine is Talk to Me. Okay, mine is also Talk to Me because <laughs> I know that they're already making a sequel. I'm assuming they're going to turn it into a full blown franchise. Foster, you are losing <laughs> your shit over there. What I, is happening? What did you pick? I didn't think too deeply about this question. I just looked through my list and I'm like, guys, I love the big dumb shark movies. So I picked the Meg too. <laughs> no! I had talked to me written down. See? Foster, you fucked us over. Ago. All right. we All right. Do we kick Foster off the podcast? Oh, man. As he lost his credibility. Find oh, out next my week. God. That, I, I literally would have never. I thought that was a given. We were all going to say, especially so after you, you gave it four and a half stars, Foster. You loved it. Well, I am of the belief if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it as it is. The first movie was great. You know. All right. Well, I mean, they've already filmed a a prequel. That's already that's already in the can. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if it's them, I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah. All right. So. Now that Foster's completely ruined it, um, let's move on to our last question. What franchise from this season do you just most want to see end? You're over it. You're done. You don't want to see this anymore. Uh, Foster, go. Uh, this Not the Little Mermaid franchise, but more so the Disney live action remakes. I'm kind of twisting this question a little bit, but I'm just kind of sick of those. He's cheating! Deal with it. <laughs> Rowan. Transformers Rowan. couldn't give less of a shit about where where it goes that's, yeah yikes <laughs> that's fair enough cool. uh this is where i'm going to hold true to what i'm known to be and i'm going to say fast and furious uh, i would have said the dceu but we, we know that's ending aquaman 2 the lost kingdom when that comes out in december that's it it's done that's the last film so i know that's that end is coming i genuinely don't know if they're ever going to end these fast and furious movies as long as vin diesel is still around and preaching family. And as long as they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars in China, I, I fear they're going to keep making these, but my God, do I just, I need it to end. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to move on to one final section of our podcast. Now that we're done with the rapid fire, the highlights and low points of the season, we're going to do some special mentions. This is a part where we can chat about some of our favorite films from the season that are not part of a franchise. And each of us will get a chance to rattle off our three favorite non-franchise flicks that we personally liked and would recommend to others. Uh, we're not really going to do any discussion on this, uh, but just wanted to put some titles out there to give you listeners something to maybe look up uh, that you might be interested in, or if anything, just something that kind of represents our personal taste uh, three films that you might want to check out that we really love that had nothing to do with franchises whatsoever. Foster, what are your three special mentions from the season? Yeah, not my top three so much as three that I just really want to recommend because you all know to see Barbenheimer. You don't need to hear me yeah. say it again. Uh, <laughs> Past Lives, I think, is the best movie of the year. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, no contest for me. You have to see it, everybody. It's like so incredible, so moving. Yeah. Talk to Me is the best horror movie of the year, I think. Uh, I loved it. Super tense. One scene about a third of the way into the movie is like one of the most I've ever squirmed during a horror movie ever. And then my third one I really want to recommend is Asteroid City. It's one of Wes Anderson's best movies. Uh, certainly one of his most complex. I would say definitely his best looking movie. Super impressive. Very meaningful. And uh, I'm excited to rewatch it uh, 
sometime soon. Nice. Rowan, what are yours? Cool. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to try to hit some ones that Foster didn't talk about, even though his would be on my list as well. Uh, I even, th- this was technically an August release, so I'm going to shout out Bottoms, uh, which is the most I've, I've laughed. Was that in a August movie or was that year. September? August 25th was the oh. initial release date. Oh, was it, a uh, 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 limited. It was August. a limited. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I'm, I'm cheated, cheating a little bit here, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bottoms is the most I've laughed in a movie this year and it's not only right up my alley, but it directly references the school that I go to in the first two minutes. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, go to I, Rowan's letterbox for the Sarah Lawrence universe. Yeah. List. Baby. <laughs> um, and comment any that I may have missed. Like Heath did. I stupidly missed. I can't things I, hate about you. Things I, I know about you. because I was looking at <laughs> the Sarah Lawrence has a, a list on their website of movies and stuff that they're mentioned in and 10 things about I hate about you was its own section as opposed to listed in the other section. That's gotcha. why I missed it. Um, it's literally a motivating plot point. Exactly, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to shout out uh, Nimona as well on Netflix. Uh, just a, a stellar animated movie on so many levels uh, that is based on a uh, on a graphic novel. Uh, and Theater Camp is my last one. Uh, I thought Theater Camp yes. was so much fun. I love Theater um, Camp. Yeah, just uh, the style's great. The performances are fantastic. And it has a, just a great song at the end um, that I, I legitimately hope... Uh, gets nominated uh even though i don't think it will um i i love it but it's awesome <laughs> yeah i i love 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 this movie um my three is uh, i'm gonna actually pull a foster here and not recommend barbenheimer because you you already you, everyone knows barbenheimer is amazing <laughs> i i've seen both movies multiple times they're both incredible i love them the, if i was being honest those would be my one and two but i'm gonna cheat and and do three more so kind of five but oh well uh foster i agree uh asteroid city uh i i love this movie wes uh did some incredible work here it's one of my favorite films of his ever uh asteroid city is fantastic uh a documentary came out over the summer that i absolutely loved called uh lakota nation versus united states uh about the lakota people and the black hills and their fight for their spiritual land and that was robbed of them uh, by the United States uh, through repeated abuses and treaties and all kinds of things. Um, I thought it was very, very well done and emotionally moving. I'm not supposed to be talking about these. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and the last one I'm going to recommend is a movie called Blue Jean, uh, which I think was a English film uh, or was it Irish? I believe it was English that came out over the summer, a small indie film um uh about a woman uh who had to survive margaret thatcher's uh anti-lgbtq plus policies in the i believe it was 80s is when it takes place late 80s so uh incredibly moving and well-produced uh well-acted film so those are mine and i think uh that's the end of our special mention sections so that uh, about wraps it up for the 2023 summer blockbuster season Thank you so much to all our listeners for tolerating our insufferable fandom. We love each and every one of you and couldn't be more grateful that you take the time out of your day to listen to our incoherent ramblings. Uh, If you want to positively rate and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts uh, or even share with friends, we would be absolutely so appreciative. Uh, We'd love it tremendously. Uh, But for now, it's time to say goodbye and we'll see you uh, next week. We'll be back with another regular episode of our horror season. And we'll be back with another season wrap up in another trimester about four months from now after the new year. So until then, 
Bye. Bye. Bye.